In January of 2014, Whiplash premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and won the Grand Jury Prize, swept audiences across the board, and Sony Pictures right away acquired the dis distribution rights worldwide. And then in the fall, October of 2014, Whiplash released here in the United States and in Canada and kept going until March of 2015, making $50 million at the box office on a $3 million budget, which is so fitting for the storyline of this movie. Um, a artist that is on the rise, falls, and finds his triumph. We're here to talk about Whiplash and the 87th Academy Awards. Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagiri. Flash, my man. We both had this movie on our top 10 films of the decade. Yes, we did. I had it at number three. Where did you have it at? Mine, uh, I think you had it a little higher. Four or five, somewhere in there? Somewhere in there. Yeah, it was around that area. I, I got to look at it again. But it was in there. And uh, yeah. it's in there for a very good reason. It's fucking amazing. It's probably the best film of 2014, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree of, of what I've seen. Um, yeah. 2014 continues to kind of blow me away as time continues. And you look at, oh shit, um, the MCU completely changed their, their style. Uh, you have Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy come out that year. Uh, I would say that those are, that's the turning point for me um, with the MCU. They're changing from, these are fine films to these are good films. Yeah. And it kind of continue, it kind of continues the rest of the way and opens the door for, for Deadpool to come out and that sort of thing. So it just changes the game. Uh, you have some personal favorites from both of us that we're going to talk about later on. Um, movies that are obviously going to come up as we talk about the 87th Academy Awards. But Whiplash is the one we're talking about. We both agree it's 2014's best effort. Um, Damien Chazelle, it's his second film, uh, but the one that really is the one that, you know, he broke out. Uh, the Miles Teller performance, incredible. J.K. Simmons, all this stuff we're going to talk about. But Connor, yes. Whiplash, when did you see Whiplash for the first time? I am pretty sure I saw this for the first time in the early months of 2015. Okay. Because I had written an article of uh, my top 10 favorite films of 2014, and this was not on it because I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And... uh Yep, February 8th. That's when I saw it. Wow, okay. I saw it at the Bijou. So, so that would be right before the Oscars, I believe. Yeah, I was trying to cram as much as yeah, I could. Yeah, that's, that's exactly two weeks prior to the Oscars uh, in 2015, February 22nd at the Dolby Theater, baby. <laughs> it was, I, I was, I was in from the beginning. Like I was, as soon as JK opened that door and just said, like, did I tell you to stop? Did I tell you to start? Like, just that whole bit, I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be intense. Yeah. And the film just has this energy about it. Like, it never stops. You just, you're so sucked in. And there's so many different ways you can kind of take this film. Like, yeah. Is Fletcher a psychopath kind of preying on these kids, like, psyches? Are these kids, like, they're, you know, are they at fault for kind of just taking it? Like, who is the bad guy here? I mean, it's pretty clear that it's Fletcher, but is it 
but for what reasons? I don't know. We'll get into that. Yeah, we will. It is, it is a very interesting plot when you kind of rewatch the film. I, I, when I first saw it in theaters, uh, it was in the fall. I, I want to say late October, November, somewhere in there. And uh, th- this is when I was first introduced to the Bijou Theater in San Antonio. Yeah. And so I, you know, I saw Whiplash and Birdman and Budapest Hotel and Aaron Weiss and Foxcatcher, all these films that <laughs> kind of opened me up to a whole new world of, wow, um, there's, there's so much out there when you're willing to, to seek it out, right? Yeah. And, and Whip, Whiplash stands out so strong. Right from, I'll, I'll even, I'll take it even further. I mean, right when JK walks in, but I, I am blown away still by the opening shot going down the hallway where you kind of are J.K. Simmons walking up to Andrew, to Miles Teller's character as he's practicing. And, and then when the camera flips, that's when you see J.K. and you're like, whoa, I'm, I'm in good hands here. The, whoever's directing this movie yeah. knows what he's doing. And Damien Chazelle, since then, you know, La La Land and First Man, he's just, the guy to me is, uh, essentially has a perfect career so far. Um, I, I'm so looking forward to what he does next. Uh, obviously, obviously jazz music is a big influence on him. You know, he, that's what he did in high school. And then he uh, uh, went to, went, ended up going to Harvard and played in the band uh, while he was attending Harvard and um, decided to go to filmmaking because the music world was too intense for him. So part of this movie is kind of inspired by his, his love and hate for music, right? For jazz music and how intense it is and how, there's some people out there like Fletcher, right. Who are trying to grind away at your ego, at your, your, like your core, trying to break you down until, uh, until you know nothing else other than playing. Right. Yeah. And, and it is fascinating. We're definitely going to get into that part of the plot because it's so divisive. And I've read some articles, uh, Richard Brody, New York times, um, couldn't stand the movie. Thought it was terrible and thought it lacked soul, thought it lacked pure jazz thought that um, Andrew looking up to Buddy Rich is ridiculous because Buddy Rich is not a uh, necessary like t- technical jazz uh, like inspiration, which is, which is false because he played in big bands and big jazz bands and was really popular. So he, he brought jazz to the light, right? And this guy's a more jazz purist, this guy writing this article. There's people out there who, who want to deteriorate Whiplash, right? I think that's so dumb to look at it as a jazz movie. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. This is a movie about drive. It's almost more in the realm of a sports movie than a music movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, of course it's about music, but the way it moves and the way it's a one-on-one like F you, I'm getting down into your core to get the very best out of you. The blood, the sweat, the tears, all of that stuff is very much what we think about when we think about sports movies. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so for sure. Honestly, the movie that I kept coming back to in comparison straight up is Full Metal Jacket. I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, they're both movies military. About, yeah. yeah, just grinding people down to their very essence of that you can mold and make basically like what you want. Because that's what Fletcher's yeah. trying to do. Is he's trying to break these kids so he can find the next Charlie Parker, the next Buddy Rich. He wants a legend, and he is willing yeah. to do whatever the fuck to these kids to make them a legend, to find that legend. And yeah, he's, he's basically Gunnery Sergeant Hartman if he was teaching at a music school. <laughs> Incredible. But yeah, it's definitely, did that guy even see the same movie? I mean, how can you, 
be a jazz fan and hate this movie. I mean, this movie celebrates jazz of all kinds and like, yeah, uses it as a way to show, like you said, drive. You know, it's, yeah. Heart. I thought it was, yeah. and after I watched the movie, I watched some of Buddy Rich's performances and holy shit, to not call that guy a legend is fucking criminal. That dude was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I encourage anyone who loves Whiplash to read that article because I think it'll either, it, it might steer you in one direction, but to me, it just influenced my love for the movie more because yeah. I, I like hearing the other side, right? And I just disagree. I highly disagree. There, there's a reason it's my third favorite movie of the decade. I, I, <laughs> I find it to be endlessly rewatchable because of how well it moves. It's about an hour and 48 minutes of just tight, tight direction, tight writing. I can't, I don't find any, you know, holes in it. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to get into the plot later. We're going to talk about the actual Academy Awards uh, for a little bit. This is, uh, you know, in 2015, like you said, you, you had seen Whiplash two weeks before these Academy Awards happened. <laughs> uh, Birdman and Grand Budapest Hotel both had nine nominations and both won four awards. And Birdman won Best Picture this year. Just yeah. incredible stuff because you got, uh, <laughs> when you look at those two films, you got uh, two completely different kinds of directors. Um, one, one that moves constantly and one that likes, really likes to settle down and use a location like Wes Anderson with Budapest Hotel. So I, I love 2014, but I, just, I, I really think Whiplash deserved a little more praise. What do you think? 100%. I think that it's criminal that uh, Damien Chazelle was not up for Best Director. Yes. Uh, I think that he should have been the one who took um, adapted screenplay. You know, I, yes. I don't like that they, the weird rules. I mean, it's his short film that the movie came out of. So technically it's an adapted screenplay, but I don't know, the weird Academy rules. But um, yeah, I think that this film was kind of a dark horse that just came out of nowhere and swept up more than anybody thought it was going to take. Like this was a film, yeah. you know, such a low budget film up against these, you know, up against Linklater and Wes Anderson and Alejandro and Yuritu. And then you've got this, like this relative newcomer making a jazz movie. Yeah. It, it surprised everybody. And to me, it's the film that's lasted the longest from that bunch. It's the film I keep coming back to the most. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and this, this is, you know, I, I, you know me, man, I'm a big time Wes Anderson, Linklater, David yeah. Fincher, Paul Thomas Anderson, all these, I love all of these guys. Uh, Nightcrawler is a, is a dark horse from this year. That's like, that's a great film, but I agree with you, man. Whiplash is the one that I think about when I think about 2014 and it's the one I've rewatched the most for sure. <laughs> so good. So do you, do you want to start from the bottom? Because um, th this is a interesting, you know, um, Whiplash was up for five. Uh, the film won three altogether, but it's kind of all over the board. Yeah. Uh, this is the most all over the board. I would say we've had so far on this show. For sure. Yes. Uh, and I think it's uh, the one that we're most, familiar with that we've done so far a hundred percent all uh, yeah. the nominees multiple times yes we both so. yes we both seen all the best picture nominees and that goes further into you know you look at the best makeup there's fox catcher we've seen that you go into best costume design you see mr turner i think you've seen that right yeah so so have i it's really slow yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh you know dawn of the planet of the apes x-men uh imitation we've seen all of these films american sniper we have an opinion on all of them yeah. Our opinion just happens to be the strongest about Whiplash. <laughs> and there's a big reason why this was the year where I started seeing a lot more films because 2014 is the birth year of Filmgasm. <laughs> yes. Caleb and definitely, I started uh, 
Filmgasm in 2014, and we made it our mission to see as much as possible so we could get reviews on there. So, yeah, that's why 2014 is so special to me personally. It's just, (laughs) my life has changed so many, like so drastically since then because of this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't with Filmgasm at the beginning, but uh, I joined. You know, we started really discussing the podcast and taking it to a different place. And in 2017, and then in 2018, we we started it right, and here we are now, right? Um, I, well, early 2019 is when we really got Filmgasm going. Yeah, we had a bit of a weird limbo thing with the podcast where I was trying to figure out what a podcast really was. Yeah, I yeah. I, you know, I had to, I had to figure all this shit out my, on my own and yeah. realize, you know, how do I edit video? How do I edit audio? What kind of mic do I want? What is a podcast? Like, what do I want to talk about? So we had a former partner as part of that. Didn't work out. And uh, Austin and I kind of retooled the podcast from the ground up and created what we love about it. Now, this long-running show nearing 100 episodes was filmgasm and then our offshoot oscar sunday it's really evolved into just the best work we we've got the best work we can do and we're just constantly improving on it and i love that yeah yeah now we're this is our eighth episode here um on oscar sunday we haven't missed a beat yet we're trying to yeah every wednesday every sunday always have something for you guys yep and i was of, fresh talk- off an airplane today tonight so yeah. you, you might not be getting you know the best kind of Connor you're going to get, but you're going to get one. <laughs> you're going to, you're, you're going to get a, you're going to get a Connor. I tell you I'm, what, I'm going to, I've been looking forward to this one and I am at like 15%, but I am going to do this <laughs> and I'm going to do it excited. Cause I'm happy to be here. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> let's, let's take it from the bottom there on uh, best film editing. Best film editing. This was the big one that I could not believe whiplash took away from boyhood (laughs) yeah it's tough this one's tough right so we have uh the imitation game the grand budapest hotel boyhood american sniper and the winner whiplash so boyhood for those of you who don't know is richard linklater's 10 years in the making masterpiece about the life of this kid mason growing up from young boy to college and he, he filmed it over a span of 10 years with Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette and uh, LR, LR, LR Coltrane. LR Coltrane, that's the one. And, and uh, Lila Linklater, yeah, yes. and his daughter. And to make this final product, they had to edit together 10 years worth of material <laughs> into a coherent film, which is yeah. a daunting process. But the final product, while not, you know, I, I thought it was good. It's a coherent film, and that's pretty amazing. But Whiplash... I, I can't believe it won just from the, you know, the quick cuts of the drumming and all that. It, it's, it's a very well edited film. And uh, I do think it deserves the Oscar. I just can't believe it took it from boyhood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you know, I, I, I think boyhood is a, uh, is a, it, it's a, it's a masterpiece in my eyes. I think yeah. I, I'm very partial to Linklater's, um, his, his style though. Right. Uh, yeah. I like what he, I like what he has in his bag. I like, the soundtracks he brings. I like the actors he consistently brings onto the screen. Uh, Ethan Hawke is one of my guys. So that film is like, um, and I I don't want to be, I don't want to say this too, but when you're from Texas and you're watching this movie of this family move from city to city, Houston, San Marcos, you're, it's 
places I know, you know, that I've seen and I feel a certain way when they're there. Uh, there's that scene when they're at Minute Maid Park in Houston watching the Astros game. Like I've been to a game there. I know that feeling. Um, it's special Minute and it's Park. so, it's so long, you know, it's three hours. So it's this daunting, like you said, this huge, huge project. And Whiplash is this finely tuned, <laughs> finely cut, like, diamond of a movie you know it, yeah. it really is so I, I i don't see like a comparison in the in the big scheme of things i think they're both like a 10 out of 10 kind of masterpiece type works they're just very different uh and, and i definitely see why uh as far as like your wheelhouse boyhood is boyhood is a bit aimless at times so yeah i totally understand yeah. i've never really been a fan of coming of age movies mainly yeah. because they are often aimless and I yeah. like having a coherent story that I can follow. And, I'm, you know, that's just, and I'm a writer, so I, 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 I zone in on that. And uh, I liked Boyhood, but I didn't love it. And I thought yeah. for a film that took 10 years to make, I, I should have loved it. <laughs> Whiplash. Fucking, they filmed it in like two months. And I, I yeah, love it. well, yeah. It's a, di- I'm telling, yeah, it's, it's literally like a diamond. They just like shit out a diamond. They did. They really did. <laughs> they really did. Yeah. Do, do you want to talk a bit? Let's open up, talk a bit about um, American Sniper. What, what do you think about that film as a whole? Uh, um, I like it. I like aspects of it. I think it's got problems. I think it's very insincere. Yeah. Um, I think the scene with the fake baby is pretty unforgivable. <laughs> yep. No kidding. I think Bradley Cooper is very good in it. Uh, but I haven't really gone back to it. It's uh, I gave it an eight at the time, but it's a very, like it's a soft eight. Like I haven't felt like returning to that film, especially after I learned about the real story of Chris Kyle and how he was kind of off his rocker a bit. Sorry to all you Texas <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry but no nobody no, nobody's I'm, an angel I'm, I'm with you i'm with you <laughs> yeah I, I i don't i don't care for it too much at all i i also have i'm with you i haven't revisited i don't feel um like an urge to do so but yeah. the imitation the imitation game on the other hand is a film that up for best film editing um rightly so is very interesting on a rewatch and i think is underrated at this point in time do you agree with that i love the imitation game back when i did my article of the uh top 15 uh films of 2014 i believe the imitation game was my number one choice uh granted i hadn't seen a lot of other ones until like february like whiplash but (laughs) i the imitation game made me cry i thought it was so beautiful i had no idea who alan turing was until i watched that movie and i couldn't believe it and uh, yeah, I thought that film was fantastic. And then we have the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is probably the second best film to come out of this bunch, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I I adore Grand Budapest Hotel. I adore Wes Anderson. I don't sometimes when you look at the two those two titans of Texan, you know, Texas, Linklater and Anderson. I, I don't know who I like better. <laughs> I love it. These two like just monumental voices of Texas, and then this like this jazz kid just sneaks in there and yeah. takes all their Oscars. 
Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Grand Budapest is hilarious. It's so charming and quirky and wonderful, and I cannot wait to give it its own episode in the future. But uh, that's the thing. That's the thing here is like, I, I would love to do an episode on all. Uh, there's 20 movies that I would love to do an episode on from 2014. I, one of my very favorite films from 2014 that I, I recently read a review for was, was Girlhood. Yes. Which I found, which I found to be interesting that Boyhood and Girlhood came out in the same year. <laughs> very different films. You know, uh, it's Celine Sciamma's movie prior to Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And I, I find it to be, I, yeah, I gave it a 10. I find it to be extremely moving. So yeah, this, this year is just so awesome. We can't say that enough fucking stacked and there's so many incredible movies that weren't even touched by the oscars like you know like john wick for instance it, oh dude yeah well yeah we we we're gonna bring up john wick at some point yeah <laughs> then we got like fury i mean solid like, effort yeah it's a great year um we just did the guest uh yeah. as above so below yeah kingsman i mean it was a great year <laughs> yeah no it's it, it really would be a fun um like to do that article once again, top 15 films of 2014 to revisit it now after seeing so many of them. It's a good idea. It's a very good. I idea. think, I, I think, I think maybe we should do that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be It'd be nice. It's been a while since we've done like a top 10 episode. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. That'd, that'd be really cool. Cause we've done uh, for anybody who's uh, listened to our film gasm, we've done the 2010s, our fair 10 movies, each of us. Uh, 2000s, 90s, 80s, and 70s. Yeah, and eventually, we, eventually, we want to do. You know, when we have more under our belt, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, you know, and so on and so forth. But um, that would be really cool to pick one year from this past decade, like 2014, and yeah, to do the same format. I would love that. We'll look into that and uh, start planning that out for the future because that that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 why not right now right just yeah <laughs> we got nothing but time it's not like we're getting any new movies so let's yeah. revisit some old ones yeah, there you go <laughs> uh then we have sound mixing which also whiplash took sound mixing uh unbroken interstellar birdman american sniper and the winner whiplash uh yeah oh boy definitely. oh boy for sure whiplash it, yeah, for sure. And this is where we can bring in um, what I would like to call a film that is a pillar of Filmgasm Productions. That's Interstellar, man. Take it away. Oh, yeah. Interstellar is the first movie that Caleb and I reviewed, let's say, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to that, we were doing like one paragraph reviews of like, oh, this was awesome. I love this guy in it. Check it out. We didn't yeah. know. <laughs> we didn't know how to review film. This whole ex- this whole thing from the beginning has been just a wild experiment in me figuring shit out as I go along. <laughs> and Interstellar, we saw it. We saw a, a, a uh, 35 millimeter or 70 millimeter print of it at Draft House. And we were both just like, this is beautiful and this is crazy. And on the way back, I was thinking like, we can't fit that entire movie into one paragraph. <laughs> we got <laughs> We got to think of it something else. So I thought yeah, like- step, step it up. Yeah, I thought like we should we should kind of make it longer. We should write more about these films. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we wrote our long review for Interstellar, and that just became the format. And uh, I'm so fucking glad we did that because there's no way all the films I've seen since I could have just crammed into one paragraph. It would have looked like shit. 
I've been re-reviewing films because I fucking hate that we did that for so long. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Interstellar. <laughs> but it is a great, great great sound mixing yeah technically technically one of nolan's uh nolan's best films technically for sure yeah absolutely i think that mcconaughey got robbed of a nomination for best actor for that movie i think he's incredible in interstellar i i i agree with you i prefer him in that to a lot of roles that people are obsessed with him you know where he has like a heat check performance but i I think he's great he's carrying interstellar he's great Oh, the scene where he's watching his daughter and he just breaks into tears. Oh, my God. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, dude. Rough. How did McConaughey become, like, one of the most respected actors in the business? I mean, he was the goofy rom-com guy for so long. And all of a sudden, he's an Oscar winner. He's getting, like, leading man roles in legit film, working with Christopher Nolan. Like, what the fuck? When did this happen? It just kind of happened. Uh, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like, that combination of... Uh, you, you got to look at, I think, Mud. Yeah, Mud. You got to look. You you got to look at Wolf of Wall Street. That that heat <laughs> check performance, and then you got to look at Dallas Buyers Club and True Detective, right? Where you're like, holy piss, this guy. A, bit of a perfect storm of great scripts. Yeah, that's all within like two years, right? Where you're like, damn, yeah. this guy's kind of everywhere. And I, yeah, I, I I like jumped on board right away. I was a bit True Detective blew me away, like. It to, yeah, that's my favorite thing he's ever done. Uh, you know, from from time he like asked them to like, hey, I need some Lone Star and some Camel, some Camel Light cigarettes. If I'm going to tell you the story, you're like, damn, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> he's great, killer. I have not yet seen True Detective. Regrettably, what? Told. I know. <laughs> TV man. Well, like, I've only watched like. I know. No, I. Who am I? Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> that. Who am I? I've missed out on so many, so much TV because I'm just like I'm so picky about it. Yeah. Um, True Detective season one. I, it stands alone as this kind of perfect uh, chemistry between those two guys, right, Matt and Woody, where it, it, it felt like it was specifically written for them. It, it's pretty perfect that that first season. That's what I keep hearing. And then I heard two was a goddamn train wreck and three <laughs> was a pretty okay return to form. Yeah, Ali is, Ali is you know, something else in season three. But, uh, but yeah, season one is kind of untouchable compared to those. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll put it on the list, the ever-growing list. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like one of those roles for, for, for McConaughey. If I were to do like a list of my favorite roles of his, I would have to like sneak it in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause, because typically, typically I talk about movie roles, right? But that one's so good that I'm like, ah, that's actually one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It happens. Like, you know, take an actor like Brian Cranston. No matter how many films he does, my favorite performance will never not be Walter White. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I love that. That's a great example. You know, you look at a guy who has been really good in some films. But yeah, if you're writing like a list of your favorite Cranston rolls, that's number one. You know, you're <laughs> it's not even a there's no competition at all. <laughs> not really. No. I mean I love Trumbo, but no. Nah. <laughs> Trumbo and the Infiltrator would be like number two and three. After that, I don't know. <laughs> oh, and speaking of fantastic character actors, we then go to best supporting actor. Yes. The film that this the uh, Oscar that this film was always gonna win, and everybody knew it from the beginning. There was yeah, there was no uh, no suspense at any award show. No comp. J.K. Simmons took like everything for this movie. 
Yeah. No, 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 no competition. Very, very eerily similar to Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Just like, just he, once the movie came out, he grabbed it. It was over. Like it just kind of ended. Everybody knew it. Yeah. All of fall, all of fall and winter, people were like, "There's no point." It's it's J.K. Simmons, and this is not not no shame on the other guys. You know, you got Mark Ruffalo, Edward Norton, Ethan Hawke, and Robert Duvall putting out putting out good good efforts, right? Good work. Yeah, uh, Edward, Edward Edward Norton's doing some awesome shit in Birdman. Awesome he is. shit. He's playing Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, he's he's unhinged. But J.K. Simmons, I mean, he's this guy. Scary. Yeah, yeah, this guy is like a horror villain uh, <laughs> in this movie if i was making like a villain like favorite movie villain list of of 2010s terrence fletcher is like one or two he's neck and neck with calvin candy for me like, okay that's a good that's a good he's terrifying that's a, that's a strong one too yeah <laughs> yeah man good god J. K. simmons has always been one of my favorite character actors anyway so just to see him get an oscar oh, is fucking awesome well, yeah, uh, we haven't got to speak a whole lot um, about the Coens here on Oscar Sunday, but, oh boy, we're big fans. And J.K. has popped up in some, some uh, Coen Brothers films. Yeah, and, you know, he's great. He's fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, J. Jonah Jameson is the best thing about Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, hands down. And apparently, you know, we're going to see him again many times in the future. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, I really wish we got to see more of his take on Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He's a great choice for that, and then nobody cared. But uh yeah, J.K. Simmons is the man. And yeah, he's he he's one of the only actors, maybe the only, that has a like coil vein on the sides of his head <laughs> that 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 make him unforgettable. He has these things about his face and the bald, especially in this role the bald head and his abrupt, abrupt voice. I mean, I, I remember as a kid, you know, crap, double crap, crap. <laughs> when he, when he's looking at yeah. Peter's, when he's looking at Peter's pictures, I, I'll, I'll never forget that as a kid. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? You know? And, and I, that's just carried forever. And when this came out and you see this, you're like, thank you. Like this was, this is a role, not, not just like, Oh, like cool. You know, minor role for JK. No, it was like, dude, he took over the movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's that's nothing against Miles Teller. He, Miles Teller's awesome in this film, and went through five to six months of training prior to filming to learn how to play the drums. And he he's really given it his all. Um, I've heard people kind of like talk about how his form is not. It's like, well, he's an actor. Come on, get the fuck out of here. He's trying his hardest, and I I really think people will overlook it a little bit because J.K. is just so good as Fletcher. Yeah, he's it's a very it's a supporting role, but it kind of isn't like he takes over this film immediately to the point yeah. where it's really about him in a weird way. Yeah. And, uh, there, there, there's, there's a turning point for me. I, the, I, I call it the Sean Casey scene. Yeah. When it, it turns, it turns into not just about Andrew and it turns into two Titans, like trying to figure each other out. And yeah, for me, it's, the pretty, end- it's pretty amazing. The end of the film when Neiman just takes control of the of the uh, of the band, that right there is Neiman taking control of the movie from Fletcher. That's what I got. Like it's now like this is about me. Don't forget that I don't need you anymore. But we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, J.K. Simmons, Academy Award winner, J.K. Simmons, totally deserved it. And I, the rest of these guys, uh, I've seen all these performances. I think the only one who really could have taken it away from him is Edward Norton. But he's third for you. Who's third in that? Group? Um, of that bunch, um, probably Ethan Hawke. Uh, yeah, I I love Ethan, and you know I, I adore him. But I, there's some stuff. Foxcatcher has some mixed feelings about as a film, but Mark Ruffalo is like kind of transformed in that movie, and he's walking in a different, a completely different way than he's ever walked in a movie. Oh, yeah. And he kind of kind of carried that into Spotlight the following year, where yeah. he's just like, I can't look, I can't look away from him, and his facial expressions while he's wrestling are like, man, this guy's locked in. But but I, I think it's very clear that Robert Duvall is the the odd man out here. Like, we yeah. love you, buddy. We love you. But <laughs> the Judge was was a good movie, but it was so lifetime movie of the week. Like it was so yeah yeah formulaic and kind of predictable. And I I don't think he does. I don't think he deserves to be there. I think Robert Duvall has given incredible work in the past, but the Judge just is not one of those films. Uh, Agreed. I would absolutely replace him with Channing Tatum in Foxcatcher. Oh, another, yeah. All three of them, right? You know, Steve Carell, they, they all transform and do some, some really amazing stuff. It's just what's been said about the, the people that the film's about. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, um, saying like, you know, we hope Bennett Miller never makes a movie again. That, that's a little like alarming. You're like, wait a minute, what happened here? And I hate when that happens, but there are some, some amazing performances in that movie. Yeah, I, with with stuff like that, you know, not every yeah. biopic is going to be, you know, right on the money. I mean, they, you know, they have to take some artistic, uh, art, artistic liberties with it. And I don't, you know, I don't know the all the facts of the whole story. I just know what the movie is giving me, and I take it as a movie. Like, yeah. that's always how I've done it with biopics, because most of them are lies. <laughs> I mean. Like there's a like Braveheart, for instance, is one of my favorite movies, and it's completely lie like fucking lies from beginning to end. <laughs> but you know, I don't care. <laughs> I was not, you know, I didn't fight in the Scottish Revolution. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any. Uh, I don't have a dog in this race, <laughs> and I don't have a dog in the Foxcatcher story either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor do I, you know, I was not a member of Queen either. I don't care how Bohemian Rhapsody you know, what lies they told or, you know, all of them are bullshit. It's all cinema. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I've, I've always preferred a, a nice, um, you know, scripted film like Whiplash where it's like, okay, this is just from somebody's brain. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about the rest of the, uh, the actors, regrettably, although this was a good bunch of people. When we get to other movies on this, you know, from this year, we'll definitely revisit those categories. Yeah, uh, for sure. The next one we are going to talk about is adapted screenplay, which Whiplash was nominated for but did not win. Uh, the nominees were Whiplash by Damien Chazelle, The Theory of Everything by Anthony McCartan, Inherent Vice by Paul Thomas Anderson, American Sniper by Jason Hall, and the winner, The Imitation Game by Graham Moore. Um, no. I love the imitation game. It's a great story. I don't think it should have taken this Oscar. 
It felt like yeah. the Oscars were spreading the wealth, like give a little something to everything. And no, that's not how it should work. It should be like whoever deserves it gets gets the award. I don't know why it's not always considered to be exactly that. Since the beginning, since 1928, it should always be who get, who deserves it fucking gets it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I, I think in this group, it's got to be Whiplash, right? It's, um, yes. This story is it, awesome. It, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and, and like you said, you mentioned earlier, it's based on his own short film. So it's a tough, tough one. But of this group, it should get it. Yeah. Second, I think I would give it to the theory of everything. I Another movie that's been told, like that's been kind of outed for being pretty fucking untruthful. <laughs> But I don't care because it made me cry many times. That movie is beautiful. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, Imitation Game is great, but it's nothing compared to Whiplash. No, no, there, there's some stuff in here uh, that he that he he writes for J.K. that um, is a it's a it's a large amount of sentences within you know a couple minutes. And it's, it's almost, it's, I'll say it, it's almost Tarantino-esque, the, the yeah. stuff he's writing for JK. It, I, I, for that alone, the stuff he, he writes, the, whether it, you know, this stuff we're going to talk about, you know, the, the like homophobic stuff he's thrown out at people, the, yeah. Uh, why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head? That stuff is like, man, that's when you, when you really think about someone putting pen to paper and, and writing all that stuff down, it, that just takes some fuck, some fucking gall, you know? So, yeah, I got to give it to Whiplash. To create a character like Terrence Fletcher, you have to go to a very dark place. And yeah. you have yeah. to have this guy never compromise. You have to have this guy constantly defending himself in the worst way. And he really sells this character. Jamie Chazelle's writing and J.K. Simmons' performance. You need both yes. of those for this beautiful, like, monster to work. And it's perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect union. <laughs> uh, and that takes us to the big one, Best Picture. Uh, this was a very tough group to pick from. We have Whiplash, The Theory of Everything, Selma, The Imitation Game, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Boyhood, American Sniper, and the winner, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. And I see why Birdman won. Because it's a movie about Hollywood, and Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. <laughs> uh, films about films, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They love a good, you know, Hollywood stroke off. They love it. And <laughs> I'm okay with that. But Whiplash is so good. <laughs> it's, I, I knew it wasn't going to win. I just, the more the show kept going, I'm like, yeah, Whiplash ain't taking this. But it was nice to be, it was nice to see it up there. Yeah, within a group, you know, uh, Whiplash, Theory of Everything, Selma, great film, The yeah. Imitation Game, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Boyhood, American Sniper. Yeah, these are all these are all have something to offer. Some stronger than others, but I, I'm with you, man. Whiplash stands the test of time. Not only as like wow, there's some really good performances in it, but it just stands the test of time as far as a rewatchable piece of art. And yeah. that that is that is so valuable to me. Second place behind Whiplash should be Selma and then Birdman. Okay, interesting. Why is that? <sighs> pure, pure, pure importance. Um, if Selma, 
had as precisely tuned um, mechanics as Whiplash. <laughs> I, I, I might say Selma could, should take it because Selma is filled with some, some incredible dialogue that people have forgot about. Ava DuVernay just really just working out there. Awesome, obviously awesome story, right? It's yeah. one that one that unfairly got kind of like I, I believe got kind of sabotaged by all the award shows because Ava DuVernay had uh, her entire cast and crew wear I can't breathe shirts, um, you know, during during like their their run, their campaign, you know, uh, during that fall, and that just didn't sit well with certain people, of course, because you know the movie people are uptight as hell sometimes and that's very disappointing, but it's great to see that film in this group. That is so fucked up. <laughs> you knew about that right now. Yeah. I had forgotten about that, but yeah, I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah. It, it, I had read that article recently and I was just like, God damn it. I forgot how fucking ridiculous just six years ago. God forbid this, you voice yeah. your own opinion on something that's really fucking important. God. Ugh. And then they they just say they sabotage you for that. I, I firmly yeah. believe that's what happened because the Oscars have done that shit in the past. Yeah, exactly. If you yeah you you speak up too much, then you know we're gonna be unfair. It's like you well, don't come on game. You don't yeah. You they've always had you know there's the seedy underbelly of Hollywood that's you know sexist and racist and you you don't play ball you don't get shit. Yeah, and we're well aware that the Oscars are not this fucking saint organization that does anything for humanity <laughs> we're not we're not saying they just honor movies and we do the same and yeah uh it's 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 a way to just look back at stuff and and, and in this case we just think they kind of got it wrong um when you look back six years later like whiplash is just so strong it really is i think if we're talking uh awards that i it should have been up for I'd, yeah damien chazelle for director hands down yes yes i would take out bennett miller for that one and slot slot our boy and damien I would take out Morton Tildum. That's fair. That's fair. One yeah. of those. Definitely, you're not taking Wes, no. <laughs> uh, Richard, or Alejandro out. Yeah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, I think, is it for me for, uh, for what it should have gotten. Um, I watched Birdman recently to prep for this. And I'd seen it before, but it had been a long time. And that is, it's such a tightly wound like clock birdman it's just it's so well made that i totally can see it taking best picture and uh yeah any other year i think it would have been justified but this i just think whiplash is a superior film yeah yeah definitely understand it but as time goes on right i yeah. i i think there's one from the 87th academy awards i think there's one specific thing that has always irked me and it's that we don't see jake gyllenhaal's name in there for nightcrawler Oh, that's boy. that's like uh, yeah that's that's highway robbery um good lord when's the last time you watched that movie not for a while uh a few years at least it, it still it still stands it still stands strong and he is oh boy he is yeah. creepy as can be when you when you now watch uh, as time moves on this is how amazing you know actors and movies are in general and how quick things move you see something like him in Mysterio and you go back and you're like, damn, this guy's got range, you know? <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Who would you take out to put in Jake? Bradley Cooper, easy. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> he's, phone, he's, phone, he's phoning it in half the time. I, and I like Bradley Cooper. I, I think he's great in The Star is Born. I, 
I think he's great in those comedic roles, you know, um, Wedding Crashers, The Hangover. He's he's funny as hell, uh, but th- th- this group, I just don't think he quite belongs um, for that particular role. Fair enough. I agree with you. I don't know why the Academy was pushing American Sniper so hard. Like, they really banked hard on that one. I, when I saw it, I didn't. I was like, that was, that was all right, but I don't think it's going to be. It's fine. And then it got nominated yeah. for, like, fucking everything. I saw it in Marble Falls and there was like a standing ovation after it ended. Yeah. My God. You were, I probably shouldn't say this on air. I'll talk to you about that afterwards. Marble (laughs) Falls. Yeah. Marble Falls is about, um, in, in time. Um, it's about what you would say about hour and a half North of here. Yeah. Where, where we're at. And, uh, it's, it's pretty rural, pretty country. And, this uh, theater I saw that yeah there was it was like a packed house and there was a standing ovation after it ended it's That's amazing I've never I, I've never seen that for a film like that I saw it at Draft House and nobody nobody clapped <laughs> I mean there was a, yeah. it was a it was a full theater but nobody packed nobody clapped oh no this was like this was like as if you know um, LeBron James dunked you know on somebody it was like yeah it was it was, it was very odd what the hell. Ugh, I don't, yeah, I don't understand. I don't get it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, <laughs> Whiplash has an IMDb score of 8.5, Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%, grossed about 49 mil on a budget of 3 mil, huge hit for an indie film. Unbelievable. And basically gave Damien Chazelle a chance to make his Hollywood musical masterpiece and a biopic about Neil Armstrong. He became the yeah, youngest yeah. man in history to win best actor. I mean, best director. Yes. At a 32, I think it is. That's just, that's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's just starting out. I mean, imagine the films he's going to make 20 years. From yeah. Now. And I, I love that he uses music a lot and he's very, obviously very inspired by, by jazz and that kind of, you know, the big band, you know, style of music. I, I, I still really like La La Land. I don't like it nearly as much as Whiplash. But I still yeah. find thing. I still find things that I really like about it. I I do wish because jazz is you know um, uh, a a genre that you know more more black people would you know be involved with uh, as time goes along and you know the the most inspirational you know people in the genre are you know a lot of them are black people and <clears throat> you do wish there's a little more representation in these films that like hey you're using jazz but. I, I specifically Whiplash. I look at as such a drive and like passion style movie that it's not so much. Hey, this is only about jazz. Check out all these jazz references. It's yeah. not just trying to do that. It's really trying to hone in on two characters. La La Land, on the other hand, I do find it odd that they use John Legend as the character who's like, "Hey, I'm playing this annoying like new jazz that has." electric that's like a little odd to me and you're like oh and ryan gosling's like the old school guy that's that's always been bizarre to me but you can't deny that that's a well you know constructed well acted well written film like that's just i I think that's just kind of a fact i i think you can have issues with it uh whatever it may be but whiplash i i I have a hard time saying anything bad about it (laughs) i think with la la land is that and uh, that film and Moonlight are forever going to be tainted by the biggest fuck up in Oscar history, yeah. and Oof. it's going to be hard to talk about either one of those films without bringing that up. Like, yeah, and that's just a damn shame because I do like La La Land and I do like Moonlight, 
do I? Yeah, I love I don't know which one should yeah. take in Best Picture. I just, I don't know. 2016, I didn't think was, I didn't think there was a lot of competition in that one. It I wasn't. It the wasn't things. the strongest year. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna look that up real fast. See if there's anything that pops from that year for you. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. For yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. I, Moonlight. I hold very dearly to my heart. I think it's a wonderful movie. So I was very glad that it won that year. Yeah, all of them are kind of. I've seen a good chunk of these, and honestly, the one I like the most is Hell or High Water. That's a cool film. Talk about a cool Texas film. Holy shit! Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Early bird gets the worm. <laughs> ben Foster oh, is off his rocker in that movie. He's great. That dude, he plays crazy so good, so well. Yeah, like, if he's, he's yeah, if he's given the right shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. He does not get enough work. No. Yeah, I agree with you. Whiplash. So I guess that means we should get into the plot of this thing. This is this is going to be fun because this is where we can kind of get into the divisiveness of it. Uh, obviously, you and I agree that this is a great film, but we'll we'll be open and we're going to talk about what's like kind of problematic about it, you know, and what's so interesting and fascinating about it. Like, for instance, how none of the other characters beyond Neiman and Fletcher are even remotely interesting. <laughs> oh, oh! It is like it is as if he is surrounded that. Andrew is surrounded by nothing but negative energy, like the entire film. And he is doing anything to like reach inside himself to like make his situation better. But it's not really. <laughs> I don't know if I agree Woo! with that. I think Neiman brought that shit on himself big time. I think he that's, had a that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, he's got kind of a shitty family who don't take who doesn't like they don't yeah, take jazz yeah, seriously, they yeah. don't take him seriously. But the way he breaks up with uh, oh, Melissa Benoist, yeah. Jesus, that is some sociopath shit. It, so, it's robotic. It's robotic. It's, yeah, robotic. it's, it's scary. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of sympathy for Neiman in this film. I, I'm more talking. Uh, let's just get into it. Let's do okay. this. Let's get into it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the film opens with Andrew Neiman, student at Schaefer Conservatory of Music, a very prestigious music school in New York City. He's the alternate drummer in the school band, like the low-tier band. He's playing the drums at night, and he abruptly stops when he sees the uh, band conductor, Terrence Fletcher, appear in the door in front of him and starts asking Andrew personal information. And uh, Fletcher asks Andrew why he stopped playing. And Andrew starts playing again. He's like, did I tell you to start playing? <laughs> Oh, just right from the beginning, we know that this is a this is a very arrogant asshole. Who yes, knows like who thinks he knows everything, and yeah, I mean, right there, he tells you everything you can expect from this movie. Uh, yeah, and his his uh, really tight black t shirt, black pants, black shoes, black jacket, black hat, the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. The whole movie. He's fucking Heisenberg. The whole movie, man. He's like, it, it's uncanny. You can tell this guy. Well, I don't think. I don't think we want a movie about this guy's personal life. <laughs> this guy is. This, this guy has no personal life. This is. Yeah. It's yeah. like the guest. He just goes home and he just sits on his bed and waits for the next day where he can where he can conduct again. This guy. This yeah. guy lives and breathes jazz. There is nothing else in his life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he asked Andrew to show him uh, his rudiments 
Andrew starts playing. Fletcher immediately walks out, slams the door. And Neiman's like, ah, oh, shit, that was my chance. Then Fletcher comes back in. Neiman gets a little bit like, oh. Fletcher's like, oops, forgot my jacket. <laughs> and walks out again. <laughs> oh. The next day, Andrew enters his class, the class next to Fletcher's class, the real band. And uh, he meets the drummer, Ryan Connolly, who's the like real drummer of the lower tier school band. Neiman's the alternate. He's not even the Who? best drummer in the worst class. No, yeah, he's yeah, he's the <laughs> alternate. And God, Connolly sucks, dude. I can't stand that guy. You do kind of look like a leprechaun. Yeah. Oh man, that God. was hilarious. I I can't stand that he's you know he's here he is trying to like compete with these two other drummers in that later scene, and he's got fucking sunglasses hanging off his shirt. Like fuck this guy, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, you know, Andrew earned that part. <laughs> it's weird, the like how you get sucked into this story. Like you, like what difference does it make if somebody you know this new guy? I mean, he was technically there first, so we, wouldn't this guy have like more of a chance? But we're immediately like with Neiman, like fuck this guy. Yeah, born in here. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. It's one. It's, it's it's a wild ride. <laughs> uh, so the professor arrives. And this guy is like, you know, 30, year old, 30 years old. This was clearly his second job choice. He doesn't really give a shit. He's just teaching. But he's not really teaching anything because he's just telling them like, all right, that was good. Now take it from the top. <laughs> and uh, Andrew sees the man, uh, Fletcher, the guy, you know, the, teacher, the other teacher he met, in silhouette looking at the door. Yeah. And uh, he walks away. And Neiman's like, oh, shit, there was my chance. <laughs> they all know how it works. Fletcher comes yeah. to this room. Whenever he hears somebody who has potential, he gives them a chance at the real band. If they fuck up, they go right back where they started. Yeah. Fletcher does not give second chances. He rarely gives first chances. <laughs> so for, to be picked out is a big fucking deal. And this is this is something where it becomes, it breaks it breaks the walls down of like, this isn't just about jazz or music. It is anyone who has had a job or has been on a team or, or done something competitively, you understand like what competition is and you understand the kind of, there's like a, you know, a food chain, right? Yeah. Uh, pecking order. Uh, f- for sure. And I, I grew up playing sports and there was always times where it was like, you just, if you're the freshman on the team, you're gonna like carry the, the basketballs, you know, to practice. You're going to, you're going to sweep the floor. You're going to take, you know, carry out the water. You're going to do all these things. If you're a rookie in the NBA, you do the same shit, right? And here's the squeaker, <laughs> Andrew, who's, you know, 19 years old, freshman. And it's like, man, yeah, you're, you're, you're nothing, you know, in this big music school where everybody's, everybody's doggy dog. And that's where you can kind of bring the relatability into it of like, oh man, I know what it's like to look at someone next to me and be like, shit, we both want this. I kind of have to be angry at you, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, Neiman takes that to an extreme. I mean, he turns. Oh yeah. Everyone is competition. Stay the fuck away from me. You're intruding on my genius. Yes. And he takes it to a sociopath. Yeah, exactly. And that's the best thing about, that's the craziest thing about this movie is it kind of worked out for him, (laughs) but that's something we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah. So after the class, Andrew peeks into the classroom where Fletcher is conducting. 
And Fletcher looks right back at him with this scowl. Like, what the fuck? And he, and he <laughs> do- dodges away. Uh, so good. That, that shot is so good. <laughs> be- be- because, he, it, because of the way the camera is looking at, you know, looking at Miles Teller's face. Who, who Miles Teller's got such a fascinating figure, right? He's got the scars on his face from an actual car accident he got into. So he's just such an interesting looking character. And when he's just gazing, you know, upon these, these band members and he's like, oh my God, I want to be in this band. I've, I've had that feeling of like, man, I want to be a part of that group. They look, they look like they're fucking good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so he has this little boy moment. And when the teacher sees him, <laughs> I love when he does that, he dodges away. And it's, it's a sign of, it's a sign to the teacher that this kid fucking cares and he yeah. looks up to this shit. And it's a sign from him, like, hey, I, I want this. Andrew, Andrew wants this. Yeah. That's why, he, that's why Fletcher picks him. He can tell that Neiman yes. might not be the best drummer right now, but he has the strongest drive of anybody in that room. For sure. Um, so later, back at Studio Band, Andrew's playing drums uh, as the core drummer alternate. Suddenly, Fletcher just breaks into the room. No... No knock, no announcement, no words, just here I am. It's aggressive, and the other teacher doesn't say a fucking word. (laughs) Even among the teachers, Fletcher is fucking feared. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he immediately is like, do you know who I am? You know, that's kind of his attitude. Like, obviously, I'm fucking Fletcher. (laughs) Goddamn. (laughs) So good. I love it. And uh, (laughs) Fletcher then conducts the saxophonists and the, and the bassist and it's so fucking painful that one guy like he just takes it from the line they do like two notes he's like all right next one guy's yeah. not ready and he's like well maybe i guess not moves on <laughs> he tells he says to that girl he's like let's see if you're first charge because you're cute and she's like she plays like half a note he's like yep yeah, because you're cute god <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> this uh. guy Oof, who writes this kind of stuff, man? Incredible. Yeah. So then he gets to the drums and tells him, give him a double time swing. And Connolly yeah. does it. He says, all right, now the alternate. Neiman does it. Fletcher thinks for a little bit. It's like, all right, drums. And Connolly gets up excited and Fletcher turns around like, no, no, other drums. <laughs> and Neiman's like, yeah, what? <laughs> Fletcher tells Neiman, be it. Be in my classroom tomorrow at six in the morning. Do not be late. And and Andrew now has a bit of confidence. So he goes to the movies, uh, asks out the girl at the movies that he's been like working up the courage to talk to for like a while. He goes to the movies. Yeah, he, he, yeah, yeah. He goes with his dad and they get what is it? They get the popcorn and the like chocolate raisins and they put them. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I love that. Well, I love that with that scene, you get a glimpse at Neiman's lack of confidence because he's not even, you know, he doesn't even stand up for himself because he doesn't like raisinets. He doesn't even say that. He just, yeah, like, I'll just eat around him. But then after Fletcher chooses him, he's like, hey, you movie girl, let's go out. Like, yeah, big leap. But I get it. Yeah. You know, you're on cloud nine. You want to want to use that power. <laughs> well, yeah, when, when you're when you're 19, you know, that's. Yeah. Stuff's a lot of stuff's going on in your head. Yeah, for sure. So he gets a date with her the next day. Andrew wakes up at six oh three, and at that point, if you haven't seen the movie, you're like, "Fuck!" 
already ruined his chance with Fletcher. So he bolts over to the class, to the school, gets in the classroom. It's completely empty. Band doesn't start till nine. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. So Andrew just sits so at the drum kit for three hours. He's, he sits there, man. I love that. I love the sounds of – I could watch that all day. The sounds of all the students coming into the classroom and setting up their uh, – Milk the cut! <laughs> Fuck, all, man, all, I forgot about that. All of that stuff is like, oh, this is fucking fascinating. You know, um, and it's not a world I've been to. You know, I didn't go to music school. Um fascinating stuff when the door opens and all these students come in and then when fletcher comes in it's like everybody shut the fuck up fletcher walks in at exactly nine o'clock yep and everyone yeah it's a silent room everyone stands up like in tribute almost it's it's a it's a well-oiled machine that fletcher has broken every one of these kids (laughs) oh jesus So at 9 a.m., Fletcher arrives, begins conducting the song called Whiplash, a jazz standard. And uh, during band practice, Fletcher shuts it down and says someone is out of tune. (laughs) And this is the first real glimpse you get at how far Fletcher's willing to take things. Yes. (laughs) He's like, reveal yourself now. This is your last chance. (laughs) And nobody says a word. So he's like, okay. You play. And he points at this saxophonist named uh, Metz and has him play some notes. And Fletcher <laughs> says, Are you are you out of do you think you are out of tune? And the guy's like about to burst into tears and he's like, Yes. He's like, then why didn't you fucking say something? Like just whoa. <laughs> Please don't tell me it was you, Elmer Fudd. <laughs> and he just says, Get the fuck out of here. He says, he says to another guy, like, right before he's like, uh, whatever that guy's name is, it's not your boyfriend's dick, don't come too early. You're like, oh my gosh, what? This is a school? Oof. I don't know. I, I didn't go to college. I was like, I, I, <laughs> I did, and I never saw that nuts. shit. But, you know, I didn't go to college in New York. <laughs> uh, an intense music school in New York, yeah. That, yeah. The, some, of the, some of those lines that he casually throws out, like, oh, this is every day. <laughs> and this, this, the studio band just takes this. Yeah, this is Jesus Christ. How long has it, he been it, at this school? Well, clear, clearly a while. As we'll get into it, we'll talk about the Sean Casey scene, which I think is a huge turning point. But clearly, clearly for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. So he throws this kid out of the band. Says, you know, get the fuck out of my band. What the hell? What are you still doing here? Get the fuck out. The kid, wa- well, walks outside, and then Fletcher just goes. For the record, he wasn't out of tune. It was you. He points at this other kid. And he says, but he didn't know, and that's worse. Yes. Yeah. So Neiman's just like, okay. <laughs> he says, Neiman, you, you join in tomorrow. <laughs> Incredible. Ugh. So Fletcher has the class take a break, and uh, he talks to Andrew about his family, asks him some questions, you know, finds out mom uh mom took off when he was a kid he's he's been raised by his dad who's a failed writer and a teacher and fletcher just kind of takes that information stores it for later yeah (laughs) to to humiliate him yes and uh 
Andrew's dad, by the way, is played by Paul Reiser. Hey, great performance. We met him in our Aliens episode on the Filmgasm podcast. Real piece. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. The <laughs> villain, essentially. Yeah, worse than the fucking aliens. Uh, so after the break, class resumes. And uh, Fletcher decides to test out Andrew's tempo. And he says, you know, whiplash at half speed. Get Andrew familiar with the, with the kit. And uh, Andrew goes into it. Fletcher stops him with his, you know, fist. Like his trademark, like stop. He's like, all right, a little trouble there. Pick it back up. Andrew plays a little bit more, stops it, says, all right, not quite my tempo. <laughs> I love that. My tempo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really is master manipulation because he takes it even a step further and he's saying, like he's assuming that they know it's his tempo and that, that they should know whether it's rush or drag. So it's like, where are you? If you're not on my tempo, then where the hell are you? Because my tempo is the only one that matters. It's, it's so masterful mindfuck. It is, but it, it's, he's kind of right. I mean, this, this is the prestigious band class at the prestigious band school. So if these kids have gotten this far, they should know their shit. Uh, agreed, agreed, agreed. I mean, he doesn't need to take it as far as he fucking takes it, but I get where he's coming from at the at the very least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be, being hard on, you know, your students is one thing. It, it's, it's the, <laughs> the reason I would walk out of the room if I was in that classroom is, is when he throws around homophobic slurs is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's, that's, that's when I'm as a student, like what I, I, this is weird. I don't know if this guy's cool, you know, but I'm not, I'm not Andrew. I'm not someone who really, really fucking gives a shit about, playing the drums and playing jazz music true but what if this was your chance at becoming great at something that is extremely important to you i i i think i'd be willing to go through some pretty grueling processes to to get to a a, a certain place yeah i yeah i definitely oh this movie is there is no like right or wrong there's no fletcher's fletcher's a genius for doing this because he made great music a great musician there's also no reason to say like everything he did is wrong. Right. You know, it's, it is so gray and we love movies like that. We do. The, the gray is the best stuff. Well, that's, that's human, right? That's how humans operate is we we're always adapting and changing and, and moving. Ah, it's fascinating. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, so he keeps stopping Andrew at just like one note and says like, move it up, right, no, move it down. Nope. You rushed. I love when he, Andrew goes before him and he's like, Hey, wait for my cue. Like he's really fucking up. Yeah. Then Andrew starts playing. Fletcher just lets it go. He's like, all right. He walks to the back of the room, hurls a chair at Andrew's head and the whole band stops. And Fletcher's just like, why do you think I did that? Andrew? (laughs) And Andrew's like, "I, I, I don't know. It's like, all right. And they have their first big, you know, I don't even want to say argument. It's fucking being berated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he starts yelling at Andrew about, you know, do you know how to fucking count? And he like slaps him. One, two, three, slap. One, two, three, slap. Was I rushing or was I dragging? Like, it's fucking intense, man. And 
He says one of my favorite lines, which is, if you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Wow. Oh, unbelievable, man. Yeah, just Jesus. crazy, crazy shit coming out of his mouth. <laughs> oh. oh. And uh, Andrew starts crying because there's no real way to handle this kind of verbal abuse and physical abuse. He's fucking slapping him. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it amazing how he clear, he clearly prior to Andrew coming into studio band, he's clearly weeded out the weak ones. And these are all musicians who are, are okay with abuse and are okay with seeing other students take slaps to the face. Cause that's just like, that's crazy, right? That's like PR one one. Like, yo, I, you got to call up. Hey, my teacher's slapping another student, you know? Um, but they, but they, they just let it happen. They let it slide because they're like, Fletcher is, uh, he's the top dog here. So you think that Fletcher might be deliberately targeting students with confidence problems? Uh, n- not necessarily confidence problems, but I think, I think that's hard. That's hard because the, the Sean Casey thing, man, is so tough. That kid had mental problems. Uh, yeah, they they said he they said he he gained you know the doc, the doc is like you know he gained anxiety problems after his time at Schaefer, and and that just that makes it really tough because then it makes it do you push people this hard for art or do you let them find it on their own and it's it, there's no right answer to me. I think it's I, I think it's only partially about art with Fletcher. I think he gets off on this. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. There's an element of like if. He could be a serial killer, and I would I would not be surprised. Like, well, yeah, you talked about how he's one of the best villains of 2010s. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Hell yeah, Christ. So Andrew starts crying, and Fletcher's like, "You're upset. You're dribbling all over my, <laughs> all over my kit. So are you upset?" And Neiman's like, "Yeah." He says, "Say it. I'm upset. Say it louder so the whole band can hear you. I'm upset. Fuck, man." He's just saying, you know, louder. Incredible. And then Fletcher, and this is a direct quote, says, you are a worthless, friendless, faggot-lipped little piece of shit whose mommy left daddy when she figured out he wasn't Eugene O'Neill and who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a fucking nine-year-old girl. So for the final father-fucking time, say it louder. <laughs> Jesus. He yells, I'm upset. Fletcher just says, start practicing harder. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, essentially. Whew. <laughs> Damn, man. Um, so Andrew has now had a taste of what Fletcher's band is really like. Nobody comforts him or anything. They all just walk out and practice is over. They've all yeah. gone through this shit. It's like a rite of passage to them. And uh, it, it, it feels yeah. that way, right? I think that's mainly what I was trying to say is that they all just fucking take it. Yeah. Like a it's lot of them give return- it to him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, some of these students, including Andrew, there's a couple times where it's like, dude, chill, chill yeah. out, buddy. You're you're not you're not buddy rich yet. <laughs> yeah, fuck, you, fuck you, Johnny Utah. Turn my pages, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Johnny Utah. So good. <laughs> I love that. And then and then Fletcher calls him that too. That's that part's great. Oh, so at home, Andrew starts practicing harder, like so hard he's making his hands bleed. And uh, yeah, he just 
we don't really see a lot of at this point Fletcher kind of teach Neiman. He's just kind of like, you know, if he wants it, he'll fucking do it. And uh, Neiman really wants it. He really like he learns Whiplash by heart because he's doing it every day. Like he's bleeding his hands to perfect this music so he doesn't make an ass of himself again. And uh, they go to a competition, and uh, Tanner, the core drummer, gives his music sheets to Andrew after, after Fletcher says, like, if you fucking lose this, you are fucking out of the band. <laughs> he yells at that one guy. What does he say right here? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody remember, Lincoln Center and its ilk use these competitions to decide who they are interested in and who they are not. And I am not going to have my reputation in that department tarnished by a bunch of fucking limp dick, sour note, flatter than their girlfriends, <laughs> flexible tempo dipshits. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Jesus. I mean, it's rough, but it's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so raw. So raw. The, these, these phrases we've never heard. That's kind of why I compared it to that Tarantino type. Where, where yeah. it feels it feels jaw dropping, just the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's at the very least, Fletcher's a witty motherfucker. <laughs> He's quick, quick He's as a motherfucker. Quick. I can that still guy, fucking see you, Mini Me. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to play sports with that guy because he could probably trash talk like no other. You know, he just my God, just wouldn't ever stop. Yeah, I'd be afraid to do anything with this guy. Like play chess with him would be like a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> so, Flet- Tanner gives uh, Neiman the 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 music sheets. Andrew goes to get a coke. He puts the music sheets down for like a second. Drinks his coke, turns around. The sheets are gone. The folder's gone. Clearly, Fletcher has taken the sheets to to teach Tanner a lesson. And uh, <laughs> that lesson is pretty fucking rough. So this is what he says to him. The f- Tanner s- says, you know, I gave it to Neiman. Neiman lost it. And yeah, Fletcher doesn't blame Neiman. He says, the folder is your fucking responsibility, Tanner. Why would you give it to Neiman? <laughs> right? You give a calculator to a fucking retard. He's going to try to turn on a TV with it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Incredible. Oh. Now get your sticks and get your ass on stage. So Tanner doesn't know the music by heart. And Fletcher is like, are you fucking kidding me? You don't know Whiplash by heart? After all this shit? He's like, I don't know. I don't have the cues. I can't do it. And Neiman's like, I can. It's just straight up. Like, I can do it. And Fletcher's like, what? You know Whiplash by heart? He's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> so he steps in. and he You better hope me your memory's good, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he earns Tanner's spot. He replaces him yeah. in the core. And uh, <laughs> Andrew then goes home, has dinner with – well, they win, first of all. Uh, Andrew's family's having dinner at his home, and talks, he talks about Schaefer. And nobody in his family gives a fuck because he's in music school, and his, I'm assuming, brothers or cousins or something are at, like, they play football at yeah. a real, quote-unquote, real college. And nobody really – they're all dismissive of Neiman's music school and they're talking about football and Neiman just blurts out it's division three. 
I love that because we never get that in movies, right? Where it's the music nerdy guy who's like, fuck you guys. Yeah, I love it. And everyone's like, wow, why would you say something like that? <laughs> like they haven't just been fucking him for the past like yeah. hour. And, he's, and they're all like, what, what you think? You think Division Three football is a joke? Why don't you co- come play with us? And he just says four words you will never hear from the NFL. <laughs> mm, come play with Dang. us. Mm. Shit, he's learning from Fletcher. <laughs> no kidding. Confidence, arrogance. Yeah, he's absorbing a lot of Fletcher's arrogance. And uh, <laughs> family's just like, fuck, who is this kid? And uh, they had um, – he had his date with Nicole and uh, at a pizza joint and they don't really, they didn't say much. It was a kind of an awkward date. Yeah. He's, he's very focused on jazz and music and drumming and impressing Fletcher and almost like proving Fletcher, you know, pr- proving Fletcher wrong that Neiman is, yeah. he wants to be the best for a variety of reasons. And, you know, fucking over Fletcher has risen to the top of that list. <laughs> But yeah, you get the feeling that this is going to work out. And uh, Nicole is played by Melissa Benoist, who is the lead on CW Supergirl, for you comic book fans out there. Yep. Uh, studio band, the band uh, they start practicing a new song, Caravan, which uh, I learned is one of the hardest drum songs ever written. And uh, it's a double-time swing. So it's Fletcher, you know, finally stretching Neiman's chops to like the, the farthest they can go. He wants to see like, can you do this? And if you can't yeah. fuck off. <laughs> oh, so Fletcher dismisses the band except Andrew when Fletcher uh, tells him, you know, Hey, can you do that? And Ryan Connolly arrives. He's been brought over from the shitty class to the good class. And Andrew's like, what? It's like, yeah, I thought I'd give him the, give him an opportunity. And uh, <laughs> and Andrew plays the drums to test the new tempo, but he can't do it. And Ryan plays it pretty well, so Fletcher makes Ryan the new core drummer. And Andrew's pissed. <laughs> He's like, "What? That shit?" <laughs> Fletcher's like, "What? Don't don't you talk back to me?" <laughs> and Andrew's. In- Andrew's jealous, and in order to earn this, you know, in order to be the core drummer, he's got to fucking earn this. He's got to do, he's got to play Caravan. He's got to do a double-time swing. And he wrecks himself learning the double-time swing. I mean, he's got, I, he pours ice and water in, a, in the sink as, like, preparation to ice his bleeding, bruised hands that are going to go through this. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's such a powerful image when his hand goes into the ice and you see it turn into red. That's such a powerful image. And he the, can't get some it. Some of the shots, man. Some of the shots in this movie are spectacular. Beautiful. But he can't get it. He can't do it. Like, he's, he's trying as hard as he possibly can. And he's fucking like, fuck you, Ryan. Like, just yelling. <laughs> he can't. He's pissed at himself, at Fletcher, at Ryan. Everything's just crumbling. And yeah. he knows he's got to cut any distractions he can. So he breaks up with Nicole. Straight up saying, like, I'm ambitious. And that's going to hinder the relationship in the future. So I'm going to break it off now while I still can. And she's like, wow, fuck you. I guess my dreams don't matter. And he's like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, she can do better. <laughs> and she, she just leaves. So robotic. Yeah. Ugh, it's, it's vicious. 
<laughs> yeah, and he can't. He just keeps. We see a montage of him continuing to try to beat, you know, Caravan. They can't do it. Then we go back to Studio Ban, where Fletcher walks in in tears. What? I guess he's human after all. What happened? He reveals in class that a talented former student of his named Sean Casey has died in a car accident. He gives his story about how John Casey was a very talented musician and like the best guy he ever taught and he will be missed. And to see Fletcher kind of, you know, barely holding himself together is surreal after seeing just how vicious this son of a bitch is that he has this side of him is a shock. Yeah, man. This is, this is a huge turning point where you see also like he, he's himself as a teacher. He's pushing himself to make the best musicians possible. That's his, that's his goal. And so when he sees, you know, a guy that he finds to be a really good player, like Sean Casey pass away and, and he lies about his death. Um, yeah. This obviously affected him very deeply and made him think about his, his teaching for like one minute and then he went straight back to it. I don't think he ever, I don't think he was crying about his impact on the kid. I don't think he considered himself at fault at all. I think he is just sad that, you know, a great musician has left us. That's the vibe I got from that. Like it's R- not rather than like, yeah, rather than actually caring about the life that, yeah. Yeah. Because he never once in any other scene shows even an ounce of regret, even when asked about it. He just says, you know, no, I would do it again in a heartbeat because it's worth it. So, yeah, I don't think it affected him in that way. No, for literally for like a, a second. Yeah. <laughs> what a son of a bitch. And then he goes straight back to, yeah, just like you guys all suck. <laughs> <laughs> the band then rehearses Caravan, but Tanner struggles with the tempo. So Fletcher then has the three drummers cycle through until he's satisfied that one of them can do this. So he has Tanner, Ryan, and Neiman just go back and forth for fucking hours while the rest of the band... Hmm? Is this the best scene in the movie or is it the finale? Because this is, this is, this is what, this is the work, right? The, the finale is the reward. This is the work you're really seeing JK just (laughs) dig in to all three of them. It's amazing better part i don't know man that's like asking someone to pick their favorite child i mean that's a it's impossible <laughs> yeah yeah whiplash kind of moves so perfectly that it's the whole film it's the whole film yeah but this scene is remarkable because they all just are <laughs> being ripped apart but and the rest of the band is just waiting like that's the he does this i think like band take five take ten take a fucking hour i don't care the band, like, I think band practice started at 9 p.m. Yeah. They don't finish, like, in, this part doesn't finish till 2 in the morning. He has them yeah. that long, just ripping it apart. And eventually, Neiman's the one who finally gets through and does the double-time swing. And Fletcher's like, all right, Neiman, it's yours. Then he goes outside, like, we can start now. <sighs> Unbelievable. It's incredible, man. It, yeah, it really is. It, yeah, it's just like waves of, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> this movie keeps coming at you. Yes, indeed. And um, they, uh, so now that Neiman is the core drummer, he's earned it. They're on their way to another competition where they're going to play Caravan. Neiman's bus breaks down. And he 
goes, he, he bends heaven and earth to get to the competition. It's ridiculous. He, uh, he rents a car, arrives late for rehearsal without his drumsticks, and Fletcher won't just let him use somebody else's drumsticks. That's not how this band works. <laughs> and he tells him, Ryan's got the part. And Andrew's like, he, the fuck he does. <laughs> Fletcher's like, the fuck did you just say to me, you little shit? <laughs> Damon's like, that's my part. I earned it. Fletcher says, it's my part, and I decide who to lend it to. <laughs> oh, man, the battle of egos here, man. And yeah, yeah, no kidding. So he tells Fletcher, give me five minutes, get my sticks. He's like, you're not on the stage in five minutes, you're out. So uh, Neiman gets in, gets in the car, drives back to the rental office, gets his drumsticks, speeds back, gets hit by a truck. <laughs> Crawls out of the wreckage, has a broken hand, bloodied face, grabs his drumsticks, runs to the fucking competition, comes out on the stage. Age with covered in blood, starts playing caravan, but he can't fucking do it because his hand is broken. And Fletcher apologizes to the audience and tells Andrew, You're fucking done. Andrew freaks out and jumps Fletcher and starts beating the shit out of him in front of the audience. He's like, Fuck you, Fletcher, fuck you. Like just, oh, it's it's satisfying to see to see that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he he tackles the shit out of him and that you know he's finally screaming fuck you fletcher fuck you you know and, and he needed that 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 scene 100 percent needs to happen for everything else to fall into place yeah they had to break each other down for them to understand each other at all well and just everything he went through for just fletcher to not give a fuck and just be like you're out you fucked up my performance that's all that matters here yeah yeah if, so you're not, Neiman, if you're not a great musician, then I don't care about you. Yeah, if you're not yeah, helping me up. at all. He doesn't care about the lengths Neiman has gone to like to get here. None of that matters if he's not going to fucking deliver. Yeah. And because of this, Neiman's expelled from Schaefer and is contacted by a lawyer representing the parents of Sean Casey. The lawyer explains that Sean did not die in a car accident. He hanged himself because he suffered anxiety and depression after being in Fletcher's class. And the lawyer uh, Sean's pa- represents Sean's parents, and they want to prevent Fletcher from doing this to another kid. So with Neiman's testimony, they can get Fletcher fired. And Neiman considers this. He, he doesn't want to rat on Fletcher, but at the same time, he really fucking hates him. <laughs> and uh, why do you think Neiman finally decided to, to testify? Um, I think multiple reasons i think being 19 and the pressure of finding out that someone committed suicide because of going through something that you went through similarly that's very hard to digest so i i I also think his dad um his dad plays a heavy influence on him obviously with him with the mom not being in the picture and he's pretty much saying like son you need to do this like you need to do this for the betterment of the 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 students that are coming into schaefer so that fletcher doesn't uh fuck them up uh, and you need to do this for yourself so you can move on with your life. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Dad. And who can yeah, blame him? he's after very seeing, close. After seeing his son just rip himself apart for months and to have nothing to show for it at the end? Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah, Neiman testifies. Fletcher gets fired. Andrew, a few months later, moved on. He's uh he's got a job at like a like a coffee shop or something, and uh, 
he sees Fletcher is playing in a jazz club. And he walks out of the club before Justice Fletcher sees him, but Fletcher calls him back. They have coffee. And Fletcher explains his process. And uh, let me see if I can find that quote, because it's he's he said it really well. Um okay. Truth is. I don't think people understood what it was I was doing at Schaefer. I wasn't there to conduct. Any fucking moron can wave his arms and keep people in tempo. I was there to push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. Otherwise, we are depriving the world of the next Louis Armstrong, the next Charlie Parker. And uh, he tells the story about how Charlie Parker became bird after uh, Joe Jones threw a symbol at his head. Yeah, yeah. Which is similar to him throwing the chair, right? At the beginning yeah. of the movie, yeah. It's his whole philosophy is, there's, he says, one of the best movie lines in history. There, uh, there's no two words more detrimental than good job. Yeah, in the English language, yeah. 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 Jesus. Ah, what a divisive quote. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. To build your entire teaching philosophy off of, I'm going to mentally ruin every student I come across so they'll do their best. Holy shit. <laughs> that's, that's a wild philosophy, right? Yeah, no. pretty, pretty narrow-minded. There is no way in hell Sean Casey was the first suicide. Like, this is no, a pattern. No, no, no. But, in, in but on the other side... <laughs> Is he kind of right? You know, would Neiman have ever become such an incredible drummer if Fletcher hadn't repeatedly abused him? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. The drive to, you know, prove Fletcher wrong is what pushed him to be able to do this. Yeah. But was it worth it? Like, was it worth ruining the rest of your life for this? Yeah, well, know. you know, to to be great at something, it's not always going to be fun, right? You you're going to go through times where you're like, "What what am I doing?" Because you have to work that much harder than everybody else. And, and sometimes it takes someone, especially if your dad is someone who's going to be a little bit more supportive and lenient, and you know, going to be someone like that for you. If there's another, uh, you know, adult figure who's challenging you like that creatively, it it just it really depends on the person, man. You know. Um, that's why it's so weird that that's his philosophy. Like no matter what, I'm going to be super hard on you. You sh- I think, you- I think if you're a teacher, you should be willing to adapt to your students. Right. And figure out you, you kind of meet them where they're at, not just, and this is different because you're at Schaefer. So you have an expectation of playing great music. So it, it I agree with you, man. I don't think Andrew does become as good of a drummer. I don't think, you know, you can look at, you know, Charlie Parker, you can look at Miles Davis. If he doesn't get, shit talked by other jazz players for a few years he doesn't become who he is he doesn't become the birth of cool and gain that confidence that that you get when you get rejected and rejected and you still have the confidence to say no i know how to play and and that's like that neiman has that and some kids don't yeah true sorry i was just reading some of my some of these quotes that i'd forgotten to mention like uh, there's so many every scene 5 p.m. call tomorrow in, in Dunellen. Give yourself at least two hours to get there this time, all right? Save your travel receipts. Or don't. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. 
I'm a dear uh, God, are you one of those single tier people? Do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? <laughs> so wrong, but I can't help it, man. It's just, it's so funny. Perfect. Oh, so they're talking and uh, Neiman asked Fletcher, like, but is there a line? Like, would you, what if you discourage the next Charlie Parker from becoming the next Charlie Parker? And Fletcher's yeah. like, that would never happen because the next Charlie Parker would never be discouraged. Yes. <laughs> interesting philosophy. And there's a lot Very of interesting. Take. Yeah. So they part ways and Fletcher sells Neiman like, Hey, I'm doing a little jazz thing. We're going to play the standards and uh, my drummer's not cutting it. And uh, you know, what do you think? He's Neiman's like, what about Ryan Connolly? He says he was only ever incentive to make you try harder. Nice. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll do it. So Neiman gets out the drum set. Been a while, clearly. And uh, he decides to help Fletcher out with this jazz opener. You get all the way to the stage. Uh, Fletcher mentions that these people are the movers and the shakers of the jazz community. They decide who becomes, you know, who becomes chairs, who becomes, who gets a residency. Like these are big people. And they do not forget. So if you fuck up, they're going to remember. It's so fucking cold what he does here. And uh, Neiman's father's there. Uh, He called his ex-girlfriend, Nicole, to see if she would want to come. And she says, I don't know. I'd have to check with my boyfriend. You missed that one, Neiman. You fucked it up. You fucked it up. Yeah, it was definitely your fault, buddy. 100%. it turns out when you break up with your girlfriend for the career you don't have, it's, it's not, it's not, nobody wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so dad is in the audience. Fletcher is, you know, warming everyone up. He walks over to Neiman and says, do you think I'm fucking stupid? I know it was you. Now Neiman's terrified. <laughs> and Fletcher introduces the band and says, before we get into the standards, we have this new piece written by a local jazz player called Upswingin' and they start playing Upswingin' and Neiman doesn't have the fucking music for Upswingin'. He sabotaged, Fletcher sabotaged him deliberately to fuck up his jazz career forever. And it's a, it's a brutal scene (laughs) because Neiman's just kind of trying to improvise the drums and it sounds fucking awful. The bassist is like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. And it's over when the song's over. Like there's like a weak spattering of applause, and <laughs> Neiman just gets up and leaves. And he sees his, he finds his dad backstage. They hug, and then Neiman has a moment where he's like, "No, not like this." Takes the jacket <laughs> off. Yep. He goes back on stage, and takes over the band and breaks into Caravan and tells the bassist. I'll I'll like I'll lead you in. Like what? So Fletcher's like, what the? What, what are you doing? And Neiman like hits him with the symbol. I love that. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. Oh. So now they start playing Caravan, and Neiman is fucking crushing it. He is he's buddy rich in his way to a jazz career, and and Fletcher realizes this, and is impressed, and. I love that bit where the Andrew um, he hits the symbol too hard and it falls over, and Fletcher walks over and fixes it. <laughs> like, 
Incredible. He recognizes that he's in the presence of greatness. And Neiman just wrecks that shit. I love the, the image of his dad backstage looking at him. Oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> looking through the door. Yeah. Just like that is a breathtaking shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he ends it with this unbelievable drum solo and finish it like Fletcher's like, you know, rising him up, bringing him down. Like he's conducting Jess Neiman. He takes the jacket off. Like it's black shirt Fletcher. Like they're in the moment now. Just them. Yeah. The veins are popping out. It, the sweat is pouring at this point. All and history, Miles Teller, you believe it. You believe yeah. it. You all believe Miles Teller is dying. Yeah. All of that. None of it matters. It's just right now. This, yeah. ma- this incredible moment they're both a part of. And when it's over, Fletcher just gives him this, like, that's what I'm talking about kind of look. And the movie's over. <clears throat> God damn. God damn. <laughs> I could watch a fucking series based off just these two guys and, like, their jazz career. But I bet that, that, li- that last bit, and Fletcher knew, it was Neiman going, fuck you forever. I don't need you. I'm a great one. And Fletcher knew that. I think he was just happy to, to have taught one. And Fletcher now is like, I'm going to go find the next one. <laughs> I pity that poor son of a bitch. Whiplash <laughs> 2. Yikes. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic film. Uh, it's like, it's a 9 out of 10 for me, but it's like a 9.8. It is right there. It's right fucking yeah. there. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Ugh. How about you? Yeah, 10, 10 out of 10. It's yeah, a breathtaking movie. I, I, I also think there's a few things about it that I fell in love with, re-fell in love with over when I rewatched it last night. And that would be the simplicity of it, the practicality of it. Yeah. And there's a certain, there's a certain vibe you get. The, the adrenaline rush uh, that you, you can only find in certain movies. And it's very hard to do it for a whole film. And Whiplash is one of those where, where you know, I, I would even look at, you know, like, like a Mad Max or a movie that doesn't stop and doesn't let you really look away or, or think about anything else other than, you know, Fletcher and Andrew. Doesn't let you feel safe. Yeah, right. You know, I, I, we've talked about, you know, this Blumhouse, we've talked about how there's, there's horror elements to this film. And not just, not just in the, the tone of the story, but the lighting. There's many times where it's the, the lighting is it's very dark around the room except for the the one character, you know. So you just got Andrew on the drums, and the rest of the room is really dark, and that feels like a horror movie. It feels like you're kind of following a lead, uh, a main character down this haunted house of just of drumming of jazz music, and it's it's frightening at times because yeah, I, I'm not built for that, right? That kind of world, that kind of drive, and that passion, I'm not built for it in that in that realm. Just it's. I love going to this place, man. I love Whiplash. I the, rewatching it and talking about it this way only makes me like it more. Yeah, um, man. It's yeah, it's gonna live on forever. I, I really do think that, and uh, we'll be talking about it forever here on uh, Oscar Sunday. I have a friend who physically can't watch this film. Wow! Because it it brings up feelings of dread due to uh, bullying he had as a child. Okay. And um, issues with his father. Yeah. And he physically cannot watch the movie. It makes him uneasy. Yeah. It makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, it has the effect of a horror film on him because the, the bullying and the abuse is so visceral and so unforgiving. And yeah. I, can, it's, 
that's fucked up, but I, I get it. Yeah, man. My, my older brother um, attended McNally Smith School of Music in, in um, St. Paul. And so he loves this movie. And when he watched it, he was like, it, he's like, it freaked me out because you, as a musician, you, you're constantly in competition with other people because there's so many players all over the world for yeah. each instrument, right? You're always, you're always trying to get better and push yourself. And, and, and if you're always just like, oh, it's just for the art, you're kind of lying to yourself, right? You always want to be as good as you can. Yeah. Um, and that's why Whiplash, the honesty, the, you know, just defiance the movie has and the style, the style, the cinematography, the editing, all of that stuff is on point. Yeah. It, it's a 10 out of 10 because of all those things. Yeah. The only thing keeping it from being a 10 for me is really just the lack of any other interesting characters. Like we don't really That's get fair. That's fair. into anybody else. Everyone else is just kind of like a, a, a device for that, for the two of them. Yeah. Which I understand, but I would like to see a little bit more. Like I thought they could have done more with the relationship between Neiman and uh, Nicole. I think that could have been something bigger. Like maybe Fletcher yeah. like uses her to like make him. I don't know. I feel like they could have done more with that. Yeah, I understand that. I, it, it is very, it, it's almost like, it's almost like it's reflecting Andrew, right? The movie itself, where he's not focused on anybody else. He's not, that uh, one of my favorite bits from the movie is at the beginning when you, uh, Damien Chazelle, who uh, is so good with the technical stuff, uh, he's going into his dorm room, right? Uh, Andrew is, and you can hear the kind of like, boom, 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 the loud bass of like people partying. And he very quietly goes into his room by himself and is like, I don't want, I don't want any part of this. I don't even want to try to conversate with these people. And that, that's just who he is. He's an introvert who wants to play drums and be great. That's it, you know? And that's kind of like what the movie is. It's like there's no other good characters because he's not paying attention to anybody. That's a very good point. Hmm. It's, this movie's, this, yeah, Chazelle is like, he knew what he was doing, you know? It's like so I, again, he shit out a diamond. <laughs> I love it so much. Have you seen the short film that it was based on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How is that? It's awesome. It's great. You can see, you can see it. Yeah, you, you're like, okay, there's something great here, right? Um, and Chazelle, Chazelle just has a knack for, for knowing how to like, film, film a fucking saxophone. You know, um, he, he, he knows how to, I mean, especially in that finale scene with, when Andrew's going off and you're amazed by it, but you, the, the camera keeps moving to other instruments as well. Like bam, bam, bam. At one point you're like looking down the trumpet, you know, it's just, the stuff is really cool. And all it takes is some creativity. It's not this huge giant production, $3 million, you know, it's just creativity. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Oh God. Yeah. This movie's unreal. I got to check out that, um, that, that short film. I'm going to do that right after we do this, I think. Hell yeah. And I guess that takes us into this week in film. Uh, interesting week. So, inevitably, Tenant has been delayed indefinitely. Been taken off yep. the release schedule, along with Mulan and a few other movies. And I think we can safely say that there will be no films released in theaters in 2020. So Yeah, I think so. Over. Well, here's hoping 2021 is a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> Next up, and this was ridiculous, but I will see it. Dave Franco is going to play Vanilla Ice in a yeah, biopic I saw that. called To the How Extreme. About that? Do we need a biopic of Vanilla Ice? <laughs> no. 
Has anyone really wondered? Like, I wonder what his story is. No. But all right, sure, why not? Fuck it. <laughs> I'll take the Terrence Fletcher approach. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then finally, and this broke my fucking heart. Character actor John Saxon has died at 84 years old of pneumonia. That happened today. What a fucking, I love John Saxon. That guy was a badass. Yeah. Enter the Dragon, Nightmare on Elm Street. That guy just, oh, never, never appreciated in his career, but beloved by genre film fans. And uh, he will be missed. Regis also died, but yeah. <laughs> just, I never liked Regis, so I don't feel bad. I, I don't feel that connected, yeah, uh, to like his his role in pop culture. But you know, yeah, just sad stuff. I feel like we've lost uh, so many people, so many celebrities in 2020. Peter Green of Fleetwood Mac, he died today as well. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Rough day. God damn. Well, what are we doing next week? Next week is another one we uh, both personally love. Um, we're going back to the 80s. You know, we like to jump around. Uh, you know, we're in the 2000s, obviously, today. Uh, 2010, sorry, with Whiplash. Going back to the 80s, late 80s, for um, uh, an incredible film, uh, arguably Robin Williams' best performance, and that's Dead Poet Society. Oh. 1989. Um, you know, the, obviously, there's a big film called Do the Right Thing that came out that year. But Dead Poet Society is very special uh, to me and you. Um, we're both very into literature, English, uh, uh, you're on track to try to do something in the teaching teaching world yourself. So this film is very, very dear to us and we're super excited to dive into it. Um, it's a lot of fun being able to do films like Whiplash and Dead Poets Society back to back. Oh, it is. It certainly is. This is the show has been very fun in uh, expanding our mu- our movie knowledge and just getting a chance to talk about these monumental films. Yeah. And yeah, Dead Poet Society is going to be great. That is such a touching film, and just such it makes me cry every time. But uh, yeah, man, yeah, man, we got um, on on our uh, filmgasm that's uh, coming out on Wednesday. We have Little Monsters coming up. Yes, Little Monsters. So, I haven't watched it yet. I've heard good things. Yeah, me too. Neither of us have seen it yet, so that's a lot of fun. We like going into those episodes where neither of us know any know much about it. So yeah, we're both looking forward to that. If you like horror or genre films, check out Filmgasm. Yeah, why not? Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We, we, we really get to be uh, ultimately silly on that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and have a lot of fun with, um, you know, some interesting films. And not to say this isn't fun. I adore talking about it specifically 2014. Uh, it's a great way to kind of re, 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 rethink things in your mind. You had mentioned how the imitation game was your number one. And now, now that these years have passed and you've seen all this stuff, it's so interesting to look back and, and see what you love and what's carried on and what hasn't. So I, I love that. That's, that's a big part of my fandom for movies in general. Absolutely. And I love that Oscar Sunday is giving us an opportunity to see so much we never even would have thought about checking out. Yeah. And we get to be you know, a little bit more snooty here and then on Filmgasm we get to just watch outrageous shit and yeah. talk about how incredible or you know, weird it is. We've got a great yeah, exactly here, and it's awesome. We're approaching our hundredth episode on Filmgasm. That that was coming in the next few weeks. Yeah, so and next week will next week will be number nine, Dead Poet Society. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're loving it. Yeah, coming along, very nice. And uh, thank you if you've been 
sticking with us and you enjoy hearing us talk about these movies. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And check out, I think dead poets, I'm not sure if it's on a streaming service right now, but it's, it's one of those that's just kind of uh, out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I a, saw yeah. it on HBO max. I could that's, be wrong. That's my guess. I know it's not on Netflix. I know it's not on the, the uh, Hulu. Yeah. I, I think HBO max is right. Um, but I have it on Blu-ray, I, so I don't give a fuck. Again, again, this movie yeah, is very easy to find. <laughs> so please check that out and come back and visit us next week. Yes, indeed. Thank you for listening. We will see you next Sunday.